Welcome to the podcast series for the Journal of Neurophysiology. I'm Bill Yates, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal, and today we are discussing a recently accepted paper entitled Evidence of Degraded Representation of Speech and Noise in the Aging Midbrain and Cortex. This paper was included among October's APS Select, a collection of the very best original research papers published by the American Physiological Society. Before we begin, let's have our guests introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Connie Kopp-Scheinflug. I'm a research group leader at the LMU Munich and an associate editor for the Journal of Neurophysiology. My expertise covers auditory function, cellular neurophysiology, and neuromodulation. Hi, my name is Greg Reckenzone. I'm a professor at the Center for Neuroscience at UC Davis, and my specialty is in age-related hearing loss, particularly of the central mechanisms of those. Hi, my name is Alex Prezako. I'm a postdoctoral fellow at the University of California, Irvine, and my current research focuses on using electrophysiological measurement collected from animals to investigate the effect of deafness and long-term stimulation on temporal spectral transmissions. Hi, I'm Jonathan Simon. I'm a professor at the University of Maryland, College Park. My research focuses on auditory neuroscience and especially how the brain uses time as part of how it encodes sounds. And I'm especially interested in the changes the brain makes as it transforms sounds into what we hear, since the two can be different. Hi, I'm Samira Anderson. I'm an assistant professor at the University of Maryland, College Park. Uh, my research also focuses on auditory neuroscience, and I use evoke potentials to investigate temporal processing deficits in clinical populations such as older adults and infants and children who have language-based impairments. This was a very interesting study looking at the effects of the neural process of speech in noisy environments and how it changes as we get older. Samira, could you provide us some background about your study? Sure. Uh, we know that older adults have trouble understanding speech and noise, and sometimes these difficulties aren't reflected on the typical clinical hearing test that they might have in an audiologic exam. So we wanted to investigate the neural mechanisms that might be contributing to these difficulties. To do that, we investigated the different ways that noise affects uh, neural speech processing in younger and older adults. A major comment throughout your manuscript is that clinically normal hearing is not the same as no hearing loss. So according to some labs, the underlying neurophysiology of age-related auditory temporal processing deficits is related to so-called hidden hearing loss, which is the loss of functional synapses between the hair cell ribbon synapse and the auditory nerve afferent fiber and can occur despite loss in hair cells. We know that this loss is non-symmetrical and that the high threshold low spontaneous activity fibers are affected first. This then causes no loss in hearing threshold, but is likely to cause a loss in temporal contrast. So would you say that such a loss in auditory nerve fiber synapses could be the origin of age-related auditory temporal processing deficits that you describe in your study? Or would you propose a different origin, which might be either bottom-up or top-down? We certainly acknowledge that the loss of auditory nerve synapses may contribute to temporal processing deficit. However, we believe that the whole auditory system should be investigated to figure out why older adults have problems understanding speech and noise. Specifically, we refer to studies where it's been shown that there is a temporal processing deficit in inferior colliculus in an older normal hearing mice. In addition to that, we also have some proof that at the cortical level, there are some 
temporal process uh, deficit. In fact, in, uh, in our companion paper, we also prove uh, how different type of noise affect the processing of the speech. And uh, of a note, uh, I would like also to uh, cite uh, a recent paper published by Chambers and colleagues uh, where uh, they show that the existence of a central compensatory gain mechanism, which is uh, strong enough to restore the representation sounds at the cortical level, even in, in cases of where the auditory brainstem responses is absent. So this, this is a to tell that we, we believe that the, these uh, problems are due to an interaction between a bottom-up and top-down factor, which uh, all of them basically uh, contributed to poor representation of a speech, particularly in, in noise condition. Just to echo what Alex said, we definitely agree that this synaptopathy might be a contributing factor. And there have been a couple of recent studies that have used evoked potentials as an indirect measure of synaptopathy uh, in young adults and have found that this might be a cause for some of the variation in their temporal processing abilities. And these uh, younger adults had varying histories of noise exposure. So a lot of the synaptopathy studies have looked at it as a, a consequence of noise. So we think that it's reasonable that we might see the same thing in older adults if a similar study was conducted. And I think it's important in future studies to include some type of indirect measure of synaptopathy. I don't think we really know what is the best one for clinical use, but it's definitely something that should be considered in the future so that we can try to sort out, you know, what areas are contributing to the deficits. Following up on that, we know that aging, hearing loss, speech processing deficits, and cognitive decline all trend together, as you noted in your paper. And so what I'm curious to know is what you think is the underlying mechanism of that. Do you think that aging itself independently affects all these different things? Or is one of these deficits dependent on the other, or do they all interact in some kind of bizarre way to give rise to these, ultimately, these speech processing deficits? It's very difficult to disentangle the effects of aging and hearing loss. You know, some believe that there's a cascading series of events that are precipitated by a reduce in sensory input that might ultimately result in changes in central processing and an increased engagement in cognitive resources. So it's possible that this could all be related to decreased sensory input that has these downstream consequences. But on the other hand, there could be independent effects of aging. It's, it's really hard to know for sure. We know that older adults rely on cognitive cues to a greater extent than younger adults when listening in noise. And because there's this problem with allocation of resources, having a hearing loss might lead to poor performance on cognitive testing because their resources are being allocated to just encoding the signal. So it's really difficult to tell what is the driving factor. If it is aging, if it's a loss of sensory input, I have a feeling it's an interaction of, of those. And one thing to note is that cognitive decline occurs, you know, relatively early. It's not like something that occurs in, as we know it, it starts to occur fairly early in life. And at a time when we're not necessarily experiencing any sensory declines. So I think that some of these effects are orthogonal. 
I'd like to add also that we we did look in the data from the study at relationships between a number of different measures of speech processing difficulty, uh, certainly behavioral, and we had several different measures of neural processing in the midbrain and cortical processing, and um, we didn't find any clear relationships between any of them. And that that's a, a non-result, and the study may have been underpowered to find such things, but even so, we were subjectively a little surprised by the complexity or the subtle of whatever relationships there are there. You state that the ability to reconstruct speech envelope from cortical activity is a measure of the fidelity of the neural representation of that speech. You further show in your paper that reconstruction accuracy was generally higher in the presence of meaningless noise compared to meaningful noise. So I guess this is a good thing, which means less distraction gives you a higher reconstruction accuracy. However, your results also show that despite the drop in reconstruction accuracy between quiet and noise, the older adults usually have higher correlation values than the younger adults. Do you think that the higher reconstruction accuracy in the older adults is an overcompensation of the hidden hearing loss, just as you have said before, that it might be too demanding on the cognitive resources? Or can you imagine of any other mechanism why those uh, correlation values are higher in the older adults? So this is uh, one of the results that uh, was really surprising uh, to us. And, uh, but uh, uh, at the end of the day, it could be related to a previous study that has shown imbalance between uh, inhibitory excitatory system, which is probably generated by aging. So we, we believe that this, is, uh, this could be the main cause because uh, even when we're recording the response in quiet, we still have uh, this uh, over-representation. And in quiet, we know that uh, there's not really cognitive uh, demand. And uh, uh, we also have uh, some uh, data that we're not published where we have uh, uh, this uh, over-representation even in response to basic uh, tones uh, where we have uh, the P1N1 and P2 complex uh, that shows a, a larger response in P1 and uh, um, P2. That being said, we believe that the cognitive um, resources play a big role at that point uh, in a noise. So we believe that it's a combination of these two phenomena. So uh, inhibitory, to summarize, uh, again, an imbalance between inhibitory excitatory system, which causes the brain to uh, use uh, more resources than it should be, and also like uh, in a misuse of uh, cognitive resources when uh, in a noisy condition when uh, the, the subject uh, try to tease apart the two uh, speech streams which uh, overlap. And in addition to that, we like, we like also to point out that it's also possible that uh, aging cause uh, like a, a weaker connection between a different uh, brain area, which uh, causes, in, uh, let's say, an inefficient use of uh, resources. So I'd, I'd like to uh, to amplify and, and add to what Alex just said. Uh, we're not the first group to show that the responses to e even simple, pure, uh, isolated tones is typically larger in older listeners than younger. So whatever's going on in there doesn't seem to be due to uh, cognitive demand alone, although that could certainly be a contributing source. But I also wanted to emphasize that even with this overrepresentation or or extra amount of response a typical older listener, we do see that when noise is added, that the reconstruction drops. And so if we use as a measure the, the contrast between uh, lack of noise and then as more and more noise adds, then that is really consistent regardless of the age, that as you add more noise, the cortical representation gets worse. And also we showed in the paper that the, the amount of time that one uses to reconstruct the acoustic stimulus, the speech really matters 
and younger listeners for a, a very narrow time window, the original speech can be reconstructed quite well. But for older listeners, narrowing the amount of time we have access to makes the speech reconstruction worse and worse. And that, that ties into this idea that cognitive issues can be important when the speech is in noise. That when the, the speech is not in noise, there's time available and not competing resources. Whereas for shorter amounts of time, if there's more information coming in, then the cognitive allocation of resources can become more of a constraint and could really contribute to the lack of speech understanding and noise for older listeners. Okay, so given everything that you've said so far about the complexity of these age-related hearing deficits, both at the cochlear level and throughout the midbrain and cortex, and the hypothesis that you have good evidence as well as other laboratories, that part of that is due at least to an imbalance of the excitatory inhibitory networks in the brain. Do you think that there's some sort of pharmacological interventions that would be helpful? For example, GABA agonists to decrease the inhibition or use perhaps stimulants? to change uh, the attention level that's possible with these individuals? And do you see that as a future of a treatment for age-related hearing deficits? I do believe that pharmacological intervention has some potential promise, and there's some preliminary evidence in animal models that certain types of intervention, especially uh, GABA agonists, as you mentioned, can increase temporal processing as measured by gap detection. We also think that another important uh, avenue of investigation is the use of auditory training strategies that target the temporal processing deficits that we're finding in our studies. And we hope that that's one of the eventual outcomes is to develop um, some type of training program that would lead to a decrease in some of the maladaptive things like the overrepresentation of the envelope in the cortex. So I, I would agree that there are potentials for pharmacological interventions, and if possible, those could really be global. The excitation inhibition imbalance may be much more than just a specific auditory processing issue, and, and if something could remedy that more globally in the brain, that would be wonderful. As a companion to that, though, and to reemphasize what Samira just said, there may be other issues, and Alex had mentioned the weaker network connectivity as a potential explanation for this overrepresentation, uh, which would cause more auditory areas to have to process the speech signal independently instead of being able to use each other. To the extent that this is a cognitive problem, then auditory-based cognitive training might also be able to give some relief in that area. The brain is very plastic, especially cortex. We don't know the limits. We don't know yet how long it would stick if it works, but I think it's a very fruitful area to try. I'd like to thank our guests for participating in today's discussion of the article, Evidence of Degraded Representation of Speech and Noise in the Aging Midbrain and Cortex, part of the podcast series for the Journal of Neurophysiology. Thank you.